0: Hey, hello, everyone. Hey, 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 this is Charlie. And to this hell is
1: Nicole. Back. Oops.
0: <laughs> to hell and back. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's about hell on earth and how to get through it, how to cope with it, how to make the best of it, how to survive, how to thrive. That's what this is all about. Okay. So that's, that's what we're going into today. And uh, yeah, Nicole, do you want to say anything by way of? What we're going into here because you know, I
1: sure do. I sure do. Um, so hello, hello. This is an open exploration, an experiment, an investigation on the nature of meaning making language. When we say hell, what do we mean? When we say earth, what do we mean? When we are talking about what it is to be who we are, what it is to be in relationship, what it is to suffer or to thrive, how are we relating to those words? How are we we taking as a reference point what culture has offered us or are we finding and defining for ourselves what we want those words to mean it's probably a mix of both and and so this is going to be this episode is going to be a mix of both we're going to be conversing between charlie and i me and charlie charlie and me i always get that there's sometimes no, it's it's
0: it's, it's got to be between charlie and me because yeah, yeah it's because object me object of a preposition
1: yeah see you know what I killed it on my verbal SATs, but I don't know grammar. I don't know the rules of grammar. It's just when, by ear.
0: When I hear a sentence, uh-huh. my mind diagrams it the way we had to do in fifth grade. It literally, so I saw between you and me or between as as this sort of coming off the main clause of the sentence and oh. then going down to you and me. So that's, it's sort of like, uh, it's, okay. It's sort of too much of that actually. Wait, can mind. we
1: go on a tangent though? Really fast, really fast tangent. So I, by the way, I would love to hang out and diagram sentences someday because right. I never learned to do that. And oh. never, I mean, I have no idea, none. But so I'm a big Churchill fan and I've read a lot of Churchill biographies and autobiographies and all that. But um, he really, really, what I mean, one of the reasons he's, spoke so well was he like we wasn't the best um right off it but he was stuck diagramming like sentences for i think i don't know for for several several years mm. and um i i found that what like that he understood the kind of mechanics he, he was not great with latin and 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 you know speak greek and all of the things that like his more intellectual contemporaries at least at the time when he was younger really where they really thrived he was kind of a disappointment that way um but the reason he was such an incredible orator was because he understood the inner workings of the english language better than almost anyone and so mm. I mm-hmm. always, I just, I, so now I'm like passionate about someone teaching me to diagram a sentence um, or many mm. sentences. Mm. So I think that would be, I mean, you know, for, for, for a, for a Friday night with nothing to do, that's what I want to do. Anyway, I digress.
0: All right. I, all right. All right. Um, you, you know, do so, do
1: that. That's so cool. Anyway, I th- I do I just, that.
0: I visual. So I mean, cool. it's the way my mind just works. But it's wow. because of so much. That's. I don't know what else they taught us, but they did teach us how to visually diagram sentences. You and never and did it, it. And it affects even as I speak when I give workshops, and I need to come into a sentence, and it's a complicated sentence. I, I sort of like, I, it appears as if it's like this little thing that happens in wow. the visual component of my mind. I think like between that one, when you were saying between you and me or something like that, Yeah, I just immediately visualize it as coming off of the main clause, the main verb. And then, and, but anyway, this is like a waste of time. I think it's. No, like, I, I, don't I don't
1: think so at all. Actually, because I think language is so important. I mean, it's, it's, we relate. It's what we use when we change our language, we change our perception. Um, You know, and I think that differs to some extent for some people, some people are more, you know, verbally oriented than others, but it's like, I mean, this is what the whole, you know, when we, at least for me, when I think about what meditation can do and what um you know, even like the flow state trying to actually engage with experience in a pre-verbal way, it's, very difficult mm-hmm. if not impossible mm-hmm. but you know to to kind of see something before your idea of the thing mm-hmm. um to actually engage with something directly, without that because it's the concept and there, there's the language there's the structure there's that kind of superimposed um you know there there's your education it's like I think that's what's always running interference and I think identity which is what we're talking about, um, and when I think about what a verb, a verb is something that's always changing. It's always imp- it's not something that you can catch in your hand mm. and and look at it and say, oh, this is this or this is that. Mm. It's that that netty netty thing. It's neither this nor that, or it's this and that. Um, so I actually think it's the elusive nature of the verb. Um, that it's it's the momentum of it that makes it you know, the essence of the human experience, but we don't actually communicate and function as though that's the nature of reality. We actually talk about reality as though it is fixed, as though there are these, you know, observable boundaries and limits that we can define, that we can pinpoint, that we can structure and organize to make sense of things. So I think that there's a really interesting paradox there.
0: You know, and I, when you say this about, I mean, in our last podcast about this topic, about identity and sense of self and concept of self, you did you ended it actually by saying something about go verb yourself, or you know, if you were into the verb thing. And so I I have been thinking about that. I was thinking there's a big difference if you experience yourself as just doing something, like verbing, you know, you're just talking, versus experiencing yourself as a person who talks, you when you add, when you mm. if you just use verbs, uh, you're really all about just what's happening now. And then it gets replaced. And then it changes and it morphs and stuff. But if you start to say, I'm the kind of person who verbs, you now have identified a type of person. And there's something that's more lasting about that. And it's in some ways, it's more stabilizing, and it's more confining. Yes, It's more confining. And I think that's part of what we're talking about is that it makes a big difference how you define yourself, your sense of self, because every different way, every different philosophy has different ways of thinking of what is the self. And, and, uh, you know, if you think of yourself as a verb, uh, then you're just kind of what you're doing now, like what I'm doing now, I'm talking to you. And now, now I'm not a, I'm now, I'm a, now I'm saying different things. And now I'm saying different things. And now I'm saying different. And now I just said the same thing, but in a different way. And sort of like verbing as I understand what you meant, but I don't know if this is what you meant. But where I went with it was that it's very close to just that idea of being in the moment and acting in the moment, responding in the moment, as opposed to having a sort of a heavier um, definition
1: uh,
0: of, of who you are. Like, and that includes based on what credentials we talked about last time. Right. Are you a person of these accomplishments, of right. these credentials, of these taglines? Or are you just some somehow separate from that in between those things, or be, behind those things? Uh, and, and there was a moment last time, I was really loved it, when you were talking about how you've spent a lot of your life trying to deal with your relationship to recognition, to accomplishments, to taglines, mm-hmm. to definitions of self, because you found them in different ways, kind of confining and disappointing. Yep. And so, you know, and, and so you've kind of leaned in, you leaned away from seeking external credentials, yeah. and you leaned into the ambiguity of what's in your back of your mind or what's your uncertainty in your mind and stuff right. like that. Is that do I get that right?
1: Well, okay. So which there were a lot of questions in there, some statements and some questions. Um so I guess let me let me first respond to the part about I mean, I think what you observed about this tension between the the, the kind of more static boundaryed, personhood versus the in the moment um fleeting activity I think mm-hmm. there's a te- there is a tension there when I think about being the like verbing yourself or being the verb I mean I guess I think what is the nature like it's this this isness quality it's the it's the being quality which is, a bit ineffable, and it's it's hard to pin down because I think it contains both the the kind of lasting, the persistent patterns as well as the in the moment expression. However, and this is again, and this is I feel like this gets so abstract. Um, but the way we define these persistent patterns, the I am can also shape those persistent patterns. So, uh, I'll give like an example, but just just coming to mind right now. It's like, okay, I am someone that has ADHD. If I think of myself in that way. If that's the self-definition that, that is at the forefront of kind of my personhood, and I'm repeating and reiterating that. And, um, you know, whether again, what is true, many, many things are true. Um, But what, but what becomes the, that tagline, what becomes um, the, the ground on which I stand, whether it's a credential or whether it's um, the reflection I see in the mirror, that also shapes my direction. So Um, I think there's something that's interesting for me about allowing for the fluidity of um, an open question uh, because there are many forces culturally uh, that already are pushing us towards clear, unequivocal statements of personhood. So, so, you know, maybe if I were someone who had a, I don't know, had no grew up somewhere where like everyone was just everything, and everyone was, you know, that were verbing was the status quo. Maybe I would maybe want to gravitate more towards claiming. An identity um, or claiming a, you know, I, I, I think about marginalized populations also where where certain parts of identities have been unacceptable and 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 then I mean, I think in those cases, it makes a lot of sense to want to really own and announce and amplify. Parts of identities where it's been not okay to have. So I mean, I think that the the conversation itself, the, the the nature of self-definition and um self-identification is ambiguous. But I think that when we treat it as though it's not, when we look to say, um, you know, well, it's because it, it's not an I guess my answer is it's never an either or, and that it's for me what's interesting is the question is the kind of dissection of what motivates um one way of speaking about ourselves reflecting on ourselves and 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 our relationships over another and I guess I'll say one more thing when i when i think about relationships when relationships get static so when i think about let's say you know um my little brother who you know i went to boarding school and i was pretty young so we only lived together until i was like 13 if i think of him as you know he was 10 then if i think of him as eric that was 10 who you know and when we had like crazy sibling rivalry and um he copied everything that i did and and you know he got more attention from my mom and all if i think of him in this kind of static way um and I don't allow him the the kind of verbness in him, the dynamism in him. If I don't question that tendency in me to want to calcify him into um, my concept of him, which, you know, cause it's hard to do that. It's a bit of mental gymnastics to like allow someone to be an open question and a mystery. But when I don't do that, when I choose to say, yeah, yeah, I know my brother, he's like this, or, you know, oh, my ex, he's like this, he's this kind of person. Um, what happened is it's really reductive. And so then I start relating to a concept. I start relating to this static sliver in time that is no longer representative of the reality of now. And that also will shape the future because I'm, I'm in this truncated conversation and, and then that's impacting how they're going to respond to me. So I don't know if that made any sense, but I think it's, it's, it's yeah, really I relational.
0: I, I think a lot, made a lot of sense. I, and I, um, Speaking of mental gymnastics and ADHD, um, I was thinking of an example while you're talking about my one of my sons, my older son, mm. who uh, has had ADHD in his life and uh, and if that's who you think he is because you watched him at gymnastics class when he was five years old and everyone else was standing in line and he was bouncing around and everybody else was uh, was trying to climb up a pole, but he was already at the top of the gym. And because he was very gymnastic, he was like a monkey, yeah. you know, and, and always moving. You yeah. would think, okay, ADHD, ADHD. All right, here's a person with ADHD. He's the kind of person who this is gonna happen to. Okay. But then it, But then if you watched him at the same age, sitting at the butterfly museum, Hmm. sitting still for an hour, absolutely crystal clear still waiting for butterflies to land on him. You would say, no, no, he's probably has OCD. I mean, or if he has anything, he's he's just so or if you saw him um, talking at dinner where he's also juggling spoons and forks almost uh, repetitively Hmm. and playing pranks on us, You wouldn't you would think, yep, ADHD, that captures him. But then you'd see him during the same era of his life. He had a friend over, and he's like, maybe 10 years old. And he wanted to build a gingerbread house of from scratch with graham crackers and frosting. And he must have spent three or four hours sitting completely still Mm -hmm. building a gingerbread house while ignoring his friend. And, And it's sort of like, oh, is that ADHD? Well, you know, it's very complicated, because and and this is where I totally agree with you. Once you once you accept being defined by a concept, or yeah. like let's say me, oh you're a you're a uh, an academic psychiatrist, yeah, not the kind of person who's going to sit with a silly hat on and 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 do a podcast with a person who's in New with York with an
1: unknown,
0: with an unknown, <laughs> less 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 and less of an unknown, <laughs> but you know it's sort of like it. When, once you accept certain types of self-definitions, yeah. you're like living inside a room Yes, that, that has certain walls and certain yes. contours and certain shapes. And, and then if you decide, wait a minute, this is not the right room for me, but you're in that room. Now you're in a sort of a tension in your life. Like, Do mm-hmm. I need to break out of this room in order to move around in a different way? Or do mm-hmm. I, can I really re- redo who I am within mm-hmm. the same room? So I sort of think like that. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think it's really hard, at least for me, when you've built up a a narrative about yourself or about the world, um, and you've you've made a lot of decisions based on that narrative, based Mm -hmm. on your story, and you've been holding really tight to the story about like, this is the way the world works. This is the way things are. These are the things that are available to people like me people like this if if you're going you know with the concept version right, you know right, people right, right. like me do things like this but not like this people like right. me fit in here but not like here or maybe people like me don't fit in here if right. if if you're recognizing the which that is restricting you know your possibilities it's keeping your life small and that it's just maybe out of alignment with with your values with your your sensibility you have to make yourself wrong to change which is really challenging so to say oh well maybe that's not true then all of a sudden you're you're kind of pushing up against a, a for you know maybe many decades of of framing the world in a certain way and 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 that, I mean, I found for me, as I've kind of as I continue to go through these evolutions of um I, I think softening my making making my making my the labels that I place on things and on myself increasingly provisional, tentative, and you know, just just sketched in light pencil rather than in, you know black permanent marker um because there's something that happens where it's like oh but no but i had i had made a statement about the way this was the way This relationship was who this person was. And there's something nice about feeling righteous. You know, when you like, even if it's limiting for you, there's something nice about knowing that clarity of like, I know who I am. I know who they are. I know where I stand. I know where I belong. I know where I don't. And even if it's not comfortable, it's certain. And as soon as you start to question those things, Um, there can be a lot of, for me, there's like, you know, sometimes there's a lot of grief. Like, why did I, why did I keep my life so small for so long? What if I was wrong? And like, and like, wait, was I the one creating all of that distance and, and, you know, shutting myself off all this time because I was afraid, you know, you, you open yourself up to a lot of, um, a lot more uncertainty. And I think that that's, it's understandable why that's not something that, we do a lot. It's, it's understandable why, particularly in periods, like I feel like we're going through in the world right now where there's already so much external uncertainty. And so just everything feels well, yeah.
0: volatile. So let me give you an example of that. I was just yeah. thinking when you said that, that um, if I was growing, if if I was an 11 year old boy, mm-hmm. and I had feelings sometimes that I'm sort of inside, I'm sort of like a girl. Yeah. Um, And I grew up in the 1950s when I did. You would just grow up feeling like, well, I'm a boy that sort of sometimes has some feelings like a girl. And uh, what what would I do? And then I would figure out what to do about that. But my context at that moment in history, in our culture, did not include the option of going trans, of deciding I'm going to change my identity, my gender identity, to a female identity. And uh, and so now that option is in the atmosphere. Yes. So when I grow up as an 11-year-old boy now, and I feel a little yeah. feminine or a yeah. girl that feels a little masculine, yeah. you aren't just become a tomboy who, re- right. who maintains your identity as you think, you know what, I'm going to be a boy. And, and so It's such an intersection as you try to build your sense of who you are Mm. between what's going on inside, which can be very ineffable and hard to figure out, and it can change every day. And then what's going on outside, which is your social context, which is saying, here are your options now, Charlie, you could go to Harvard, or you can go to University of Oregon, or you could go to this, or you could go to that, Mm. you know, whereas, and, and so I went to Harvard, right? for all kinds of complicated reasons, that's a whole different podcast. Um, But I ended up at Harvard, which felt very alien to me. Yeah. And then by the end of that year, I'm like, this room doesn't fit me. And I thought I should be going to Antioch. (laughs) And I I knew a person who was uh, actually, who was at Antioch, so I visited him in Yellow Springs, Ohio, went to Antioch. And then I was there and I thought, all right, this does sort of fit who I am, except for my Harvard part. And so it's sort of like, now I realized I'm actually made up of two different people. And that's just the beginning of how many people. So now there's two, there's the Antioch Charlie at age 19. yeah, And and then there's the Harvard Charlie at age 19 It's sort of like, oh, and so it's very complicated to, to build because you're building. Now, I really liked last time when we talked about this stuff, how you talked about, it sounded like you framed it that you had a fork in the road on an ongoing way.
1: Should you, should <laughs> Many you. Many forks.
0: Be, but this is, yeah, this is one okay. fork. This is one meal, one fork. <laughs> okay. And you had a fork in the meal. And, then, <laughs> and when you had this particular fork, it was like, do I really pursue yeah. this could cred- Credential-based identity that uh, people in my family have had big accomplishments. But you also said, but I noticed that many of them that have these big accomplishments seem to never be satisfied. And so then you defined another direction, which is more going inner and more going uncertain and more going into vulnerability and ambiguities and things like that, which don't get you sort of, you, you don't become the leader of the world usually that way because you didn't go up the ladder. Though you might be, you never know. I mean, the Buddha became sort of the leader of the world, right? When he was coping with the same thing. But it's, um, but it's sort of like uh, uh, you you defined this fork, and when you did, and I wanted to ask you this: mm. once you saw yourself as two different possible people, uh, one was the scripted, pre-scripted in your family. Credential based. I don't
1: want to just say it's my family. I want to say it's culture generally. Family certainly had part of it. But I want to say, like, all right. It's the way I interpreted my family and the way I interpreted my culture. Because I think that, you know, my brother could have had a very different interpretation. I want to take full responsibility for the way I interpret it.
0: We'll invite your brother on here. We'll have a conversation (laughs) with your brother. Okay. Come on, Eric. (laughs) Um at, or the other one was more pursuing through yoga, meditation, yeah. acting, writing, yeah. Yeah. all exploring or, these other things. So, is it possible for you to have both of these identities? Of
1: course. Well, I mean, I think that I think that I think that I I wouldn't even say that it was. It's that neat. Um, although I think that my it's a very adolescent quality in me, like where over time and certainly when I was younger it's although that 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 kind of binary still shows up for me on occasion where it's like either you you know do what you know you follow the known path or you you seek approval or you say you know screw it i'm going to go my own way or you know you say i don't want anybody to agree with anything. I want to really, you know, push the boundary and just, you know, right. isolate myself. You know, so it can get really, really, I would say oversimplified. It can become caricatured right. in my mind sometimes. But the 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 truth is it's I think that all that neither of those things are real. They're also just concepts. And, um, and they're also just projections. I mean, from the very beginning, and that's why I'm like, it wasn't my family. It wasn't my call. It was just the way I interpreted the expectations of me, the expect and, and even my own ambition, Um, you know, my, especially my own ambition, especially my own desire to, um, to excel in, in certain ways to, and to, to be validated, to be, um, you know, to achieve at a certain level. And I'm sure that there were level, there were parts of this where, you know, that we're just afraid that like, well, what if I give everything and I, and I don't succeed and I don't excel right. at the level that I want to, there's, there's lots of right, complexity right. there, but I think right. that what I've, what I've realized is I, I think I have come to be a little bit more, gentle, curious, and, um, just expansive with, with the way I dialogue with my, with my, with my multitudes, um, is that, you know, it like with, with all dialectical tensions, they, you know, one doesn't exist without the other. And they're all, this, this is a, these are tensions, which, I think serve my, you know, my consciousness, my, my ability to tune into, um, an alignment that is, that is not a perfect, you know, there's no perfect. It's like, it's like, if I, if I look to my body as an analogy and I think about like being, so I'm hypermobile. I don't know if I had said this last time. So I'm hypermobile. I'm really flexible. And, and what that means is that I can do a lot of shapes in ways that compromise the, the kind of structural integrity of my body. So I can, I can kind of, you know, I can, I can, I can, do the, the result of, you know, I am thinking about yoga. I can do the result of a lot of poses in ways where, but I'm tweaking my pelvis. I'm holding my breath, my diaphragms jammed back. And so for a mm. lot of, for a long time, I think that I was kind of like, you know, it was like the, the important thing is doing the result looking like this external idea of what good enough or, The credentialed thing or whatever, no matter what the internal kind of cost or, or however I had to manipulate myself to do that. And that was, I think that is this kind of out of integrity bit that that's like where these credentials or this kind of calcified idea of, of anything becomes problematic, at least for me, because it's, it's disembodied it's no longer, it doesn't actually exist. And that's where, you know, I, in the present moment, even with relationships, if I'm relating to someone from some concept I have from the past and I'm missing who they are right now, you know, right. that's out of alignment. So the right. it's not that right, there's right. anything wrong with wanting to, you know, do a back or put my foot over my head. But if I can, but if I'm doing that in a way that's hurting, you know, that's, pulling up my ligaments and that's going to create injury over time just to get to the result. Like, because I'm not paying attention to actually what's going on and I'm just pushing that's, you know, and in the same way, if I'm not even going to try, or I'm going to say, well, I'm going to decide ahead of time that I can't do it or what, like, that's out of integrity because if I deeply want to, but I'm, I'm not. So it's it's this place in the middle where it's like, okay, it's slower it's just slower, and it's it's more about sensing into yes, what is going on, and also having a clear sense of the direction, but being provisional with it. So yeah, this, these are these these are the contributions I want to make. This is the impact I'd like to have. Yeah, I'm aware. I sure I would like to be my version of Steve Jobs and Oprah. Still, why not? Like I, but I'm not attached to that in the in the sense that. The way that I am today in this moment is someone that is massively imperfect. and I guess that is um, that is clear enough about my my internal posture that the external expression of it and the way that it's received, the, it, it's it's less it's just less shaky. It's like less. So I'm not needing. No, that, I get what you clarity. mean. Clarity. Do you? That seems very. You vague. gave it.
0: No, that's a little vague. But I think you gave a concrete example of it last time when you talked about there was a stage of your life where you wished that you weren't concerned so much about your appearance, but
1: but now, I am. <laughs>
0: but now you are concerned about your appearance, and you've become much more stably okay with that it isn't like now you think oh there's something i wish i was not so no it's like okay this is one of my values and i care about this and i care about being excellent intellectually and in my work and in my relationships and every so it's sort of a good example of of that of how you can uh uh for you for a while you you go through a sense of identity of oh i wish i weren't that way or i don't like being that way but then you realize over time, a kind of radical acceptance. Yeah. I am that, that. This is a part of who I am. And then you come to terms with it differently. And your identity changes, as it does all the time. It just always, I mean, it, some people try to maintain their identity. I want to say something about when we bring some of these things up. A difference between establishing your identity in a West, Western culture versus an Eastern yes, culture.
1: Yes, I think that's very
0: important. The philosophies are very different, because in a Western based philosophy, you're more likely to think that the world is stable, and things are permanent, (laughs) and that you are consistent and you're autonomous. And, and I think that that creates a background in in our culture. A Western culture of okay, I'm this person, and I'm going to be this kind of person. And today, I'm this person. I'm the same person I was yesterday, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas in an Eastern context, you're more likely to be thinking a little bit like your your verbing idea. It's a little yeah. bit like it's a little bit, a little bit like no. Now I'm I'm this way, and and I also I happen to be this way. And by the way, I'm I'm also the opposite, and 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 I'm actually not the same as I was yesterday because there's not the same belief in permanence there's not right. the same belief in that this is how things are and that what you see is what you get and and that it stays stable and consistent over time it's sort of like so these are very different i mean one of the one of the one of the reasons you and i are even talking was because of mutual interest in dbt yes and one of the things i've liked about dbt though it took me a while to appreciate it because at first i just thought oh this is a great collection of skills for regulating emotions but mm-hmm. actually what Well, as you know, what got me more than that and kept me more than the three years I thought I would spend in (laughs) the DBT was this sort of collision or synthesis or integration of three different philosophies. And one of them is more that Eastern philosophy, and it includes kind of mindfulness and it includes dialectical thinking. And it allowed it's it's sort of that everything's changing all the time. Yeah. Everything is related to everything. And I'm not the same person I was yesterday. And at the same time, there's another part of DBT that says, no, that that I am. Uh, yeah. DBT is science and it's spirituality. Yes. And you 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 can really so you can actually bring all of that together in yes. one model, a complex model of thinking. Yes. Some people don't realize how complex it is, I think, but it's yeah. It gives you a grounding to be able to uh, change the walls in that room, to yeah. widen the floor and to and to add, or as Carl Jung did, if anybody read his autobiography, yeah. I think it was called Memories, Dreams and Reflections, um, that he built a house outside of his house as he got older and he built it outside in the woods and it started as just a little room. And then he added something and then he added another thing and he added it in a spiraling mm. direction. So now mm. he had a house that was like a maze that's spiraling mm. outward. Each room, each new room represented how he was then. Yeah. And so it didn't get rid of how he was yes, before. It included but he added it. to it. So it was, I thought that was really cool.
1: I do too. So I know. I think what you're saying is so I mean, I think it's profound for a lot of reasons. And I mean, I I know we're kind of, we're kind of going everywhere, but like, I, I think that there's something about death and decay, um, and, and at least in Western culture, particularly, you know, in the last a hundred, 150 years, um, and, you know, as, as our, as our scientific, um, as we've gotten more and more facile at extending life, um, as our family size has, yeah. Gotten smaller, um, you know. We're just exposed to death so much less frequently, um, and that awareness of kind of the the transient nature of of things. I mean, and 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 even in terms of what we do tend to culturally, um, what we tend to celebrate, what we focus on, where you know what what we, what our movies are about, who we, who we look at and what, what, what the people we look at look like all of that. It's, um, it, it's a really, really narrow picture of identity of success. Mm. Um, and, and it doesn't include that, that tension of, you know, everything that begins is, you know, the big beginnings are also ending. It's, we're not in that, kind of paradoxical experience that I think Eastern contemplative um, frameworks that, that are kind of centered around the sense that, you know, being born is also beginning to die from the beginning and that, you know, we're by, by engaging with any process you know, there's, there's always this interdependent nature, you know, aspect of it. We're so individually centered and focused and, and, you know, and, and it's, and again, it's not about being right or wrong, but it's, um, it's really challenging to allow for, I think, the both and when right and wrong good and bad um evil and um i don't know whatever the opposite worthy heroic whatever when those are the kind of pillars the structural pillars of you know a society's language um almost from the end so I, I i just feel like you know this question of interdependence and and thinking of identity as something that is you know not necessarily entirely socially constructed but that's like it's socially informed and um and i think that your point about um about what's going on with with gender right now um and gender fluidity it's it's really apropos because we are i mean it's the it's the water we're swimming in and um and it's interesting why you know, there's so many options, so many possibilities, there's so many kind of lenses or camera lenses to look through and kind of find ourselves reflected back. It's really interesting for me to think, you know why why do uh why do some of us kind of gravitate more towards? those clear delineations and then, and, you know, and others away from that. So, um, so with you, you know, you're like, ah, I, I'm, I've been on this track and not, what do you think has has allowed you to kind of be in both places at the same time? It's actually a really good question and, and it, uh, doesn't
0: come to a simple answer, I guess, uh, um, and, and, I, and in both places makes it sound like there's two different places I've been at the same time. Of so course I'm there's to, not. I'm trying to think of what those two places are. I mean, I was. Uh, I always had a tendency to look outside of where I was. Like even in elementary school and high school, I would do well at certain things. And I was sort of, okay, like in high school you're you're this student you mm. do well you're in this advanced class you hang out with the advanced class people you go to lunch in the cafeteria with the advanced class people and that's your reference group and you hang mm. out with them i also was sort of a uh, a want to be a want to be athlete so i hung out with the athletic kids somewhat in the school but i'm more at lunch i'm with my intellectual subgroup right, right. but but then but then who do I have as a girlfriend at one point? It's like, she's not in that group. She's like really smart, but she came from the wrong side of the tracks. Uh, she lives in a house by herself because her mother's a professor with an alcohol problem and never comes home.
1: Mm. And she has
0: a brother who has schizophrenia and there's all kinds of drugs around their house. And, and I start dating her. And it's like, and mm. then the guys that I'm hanging out with in my subgroup are like, what are you doing with her and they would make fun of her and then I would tell them to go fuck themselves and Mm. I would say and so I was I was betwixt and between at an early stage and and there that's just one pointed version of that I've often I've often been in one reference group in my life and Mm. I've sought out another reference group Mm. I like I I went to Harvard but what did I, I, I mentioned, I forget if I mentioned this last time, or if just you and I talking once, but I would spend my weekends going camping by myself. Yes.
1: No, you mentioned that last time
0: in New Hampshire. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I w- I've i always been kind of interested in trying to do well in my reference group, yeah. which was part of my identity. But there was always a part of me, it's sort of like, I had a leaky identity, I didn't quite <laughs> get, and I'd, I'd go off here. So I'm, I'm I leave Harvard. I camp for three months, and then I come back and I go live with a black, poor family in Dorchester in Boston, and I lived with them for a long time, and it's like a totally different life, totally different. I was the only white person for about two miles in my neighborhood, Mm. and it's like really different, and so there's just, I don't know what it is, Nicole. I I think it, the, the determination that I would always be in more than one place, more than one identity, happened earlier than I can remember. Yeah. I don't know why it happened. I guess I need to go back into psychoanalysis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, uh, well, I think it's interesting that, you know, when you, as you were working on your, I'm curious, as you were working on, you know, your, your DBT book, um, and, and you were thinking about principles, and really kind of, doing a lot of synthesis probably and um and really getting to maybe this is not the the maybe you know we should definitely have another conversation about this but like i'm curious what that process was like for you to um to kind of be taking all of your maybe on the track experience and then, also, because at least for me, your book has a very it's a distinctive voice, and it and it really is a book about self, I mean self permission within a uh, with a language. you know, it's it's helping practitioners of the language of dialectical behavioral therapy use that language like, you know, as an artist rather than, as um, someone on an assembly line, that's really how I experience it. So I, I, mean, and so that that seems like being to to create something like that. You have to inhabit your own multiplicity um, to really understand the uh, the vocabulary, the syntax, the um, the grammar as as you know as you're talking about when we started when it's like okay well well wh- you know what are these component parts but then to understand also this this freedom of expression and the importance of being kind of liberated to to be instinctive so i'm just curious like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a detour but not really like what was it like for you in thinking about and creating that work um and bringing those parts together in that way.
0: Well, you know, I first there's a background that I my original training was in a different therapy yes, language. Yes, which is a whole
1: other very interesting yeah.
0: yeah. So I was already uh trained more in-depth in psychoanalytic thinking. So that's not the usual path into DBT, no. which is a behavioral treatment. So and that's one thing. The second thing was that when I did sit down to start. I I really wrote the book after teaching for fifteen or twenty years DBT, and i and doing role play after role play in public, in workshops, and realizing that this, there was this dichotomy within DBT. On the one hand, it's an evidence-based treatment with uh, with a, over 85 strategies and 100 skills, and you're supposed to know what to do all the time. And there, you're always measuring adherence to and making sure you're doing the right thing. There's a very right thing sort of part of DBT. Right. Like, are you doing it right? In in fact, the annual conference in the United States is called, Is It DBT? I mean, it came out of that. So there's this preoccupation with doing it right. But then when I really reviewed my personal experience treating difficult people with DBT,
1: yeah.
0: I realized that, uh, and then I said this to myself, and it was sort of a turning point, and I think I put it in the preface of the book, is that you realize that as much as you have a cookbook that's supposed to tell you what to do under all circumstances, mm-hmm. Actually, you never, ever know what to do. And so what I just thought, how weird that is that actually, if you stop a session when somebody says, "Well, there's five minutes left in the session, and now the person says, "And I think I'm going to kill myself this weekend." Now, what do you do? It's like, there's five million things you could do, and there's nothing in the book that tells you yes. what to do. It sort of gives you some general guidelines. Yes. And I think what was different about me than some people, because I knew people that were throwing DBT overboard when they started to Mm -hmm. not like things. I was very hooked on the value of DBT, the value of science, the value of evidence, the value value of of all the work that went into it, the brilliance of Marsha Linehan. And I trusted my gut that actually nobody. So I started asking other therapists who are senior excellent therapists in DBT, what would you do? what would you do? What would you do? And if you mm-hmm. watch people do role plays or you do five consecutive role plays, yep, you never do the same thing twice. Yep. you the same person. So I yep. started to think, what is this? It's sort of like the front layer of DBT is here's how you do it and you got to right. do it right. The back layer of DBT is you never know what to do.
1: It's a tractor and a verb.
0: It's a tractor and a verb. It's but a, isn't yeah.
1: this always the way of it though? I mean, and I think this is this interesting tension that we're all always wrestling with mm. is that the kind of presentation the credential the 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 resume statement the kind of cocktail conversation is hi this is who i am but what's right. going on in the background the reality mm. is so much messier and more complex and so you know everyone all of us all the time we are we are kind of going back and forth between uh, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a, you know, I'm the head of. Right, blah, 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 blah. Right, but right, then, right. what happens when you lose your job, or what? Are you no longer you? Of course not. So, what if, like, or I,
0: nobody listens to you anymore? Now right. you become a, you become a. You're obsolete.
1: Person. Oh, AI obsolete. is taking. You know, you know, artificial intelligence is taking over everyone's job. And what? We're no longer like this. Is the crux, I think, of what it is to be a human being, particularly yeah. in a very crowded world where we're no longer directly responsible for making the instruments that we live with. You know, we're not killing the bison and we're not plowing the field. Some people are, but many of us aren't. We're, we're far removed from, from the way of kind of, uh, from connecting with the work of, of survival. So now it's like these, these, these are just little sound bites that yeah. you know we hang on to for dear life they're super misleading at least for me it felt very fragile to kind of hang my hat on some some externally kind of created idea and it's but at the same time as you say there's a lot of value we need these taglines to some extent you know we need to be able to operate and converse and and be recognized by each other and in many cases and to find other people like no, us that say, we've i belong were, to you you've so been searching
0: you know what i love what, about how you've gone about your life and what and tell I, me I, yeah well i realize this doesn't probably cover all the territory of your life but <laughs> uh, but, I'll, but what about this conversation yeah what i think is hard for people to do that you've done um because you know what can be the perception of others. And you know what the expectations are. When you enter into law school, you're supposed to finish law school. When you enter into social work school, you're supposed to finish (laughs) all these things. And and yet you've, the way I conceptualize it in light of this conversation Mm -hmm. is that when you entered into law school, you went into a certain room It's Mm. somewhat, somewhat predefined. And you can redefine it yourself to some degree, you can bring bring your own new furniture and and your own wall hanging. But there's still a room that's the law. Yeah. And you got in there. And after a year, you figured out, this is not the room for me, this doesn't quite capture other parts of me. And you went to social work school, and it was a different part of you that you were seeking. And after a year of that, uh, including because I knew you when you were doing that very yeah. interesting experiences in a middle school environment dealing with. Yeah,
1: wonderful. Things. I mean, wonderful experience. No, I know. Absolutely. that.
0: So you entered into that and then you left out and then you went to this master's program at NYU. Yeah. That's much harder for me to even define. I won't <laughs> even try, but it's sort of like you keep doing these things, and then you do your own podcast, or you're working on that, and you're working on this podcast, yeah. and you're doing your coaching, and you go to yeah. a lot of workshops. You're really a seeker, and you keep uh, you keep entering different rooms. And I think probably with each room, you're carrying part of the room with you. Oh, absolutely.
1: Leaving. No, I think I think that that's the everything that I I don't know that. I would even know how to look for the next room without the experience of the the last one, if we're using right. that language. Right, 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 And um, and I feel like I've I've really been so fortunate in that I've loved all of these, you know, I've loved all of these rooms. I mean, there's there's so much I think I'm I get more and more clear on you know, for a while I was just, you know, you think you need to be picked or you think you need to have, you know, you, ha- you need to find the right community or it's something out there. And over time, you know, you realize, no, 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 I can create it. I know what it is that I want. I see what's great about this space and what's missing. I see what's incomplete. And, you know, because I'm someone that is a kind of, transcontextual transdisciplinary thinker right it's been it's been very interesting to to kind of experience and live into many different spaces yeah um and and recognize these opportunities and and also see where there's inflexibility um and and where the the kind of I don't know where the identity of the institution or the identity of the form or the shape has has maybe kept that that space that room um, cut off from you know adapting to or meeting the moment the culture um, and so and, and it's one of the things I think is so fascinating about technology uh, emerging technologies and um, and this moment in time, uh, also, you know, I think also about about entertainment, performance, because it 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 is it is a mirror, but it's also kind of driving where we're going in a lot of ways, and all of these other things like law, and social work, and psychiatry, and, and you know, neuroscience. So much is moving so fast, and the 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 kind of habit wheels. Um, I mean, it's all—it's all just like individuals, right? But they are are very sticky. You know, we get into routines, and certainly much more so within institutions, where it's it's once there's a lot of investment in a certain way of doing and being and operating, it's very very challenging to kind of reroute. So, well, no, uh, because
0: it's it's easier in one sp- in one way externally. It's easier to get on one of these tracks and keep going. Yes. Um, it's harder to do what you've done. And yet it would have been hard for you to stay in any one of those rooms.
1: So oh, I couldn't have. I just couldn't have. I couldn't right. have because it wasn't right for, like, you know, right. like, but again, that I think as a, somebody that, like, you know, as is looking to kind of create and innovate and make an, an impact in a certain way, mm-hmm. um, all of those, I mean, it was just training, right? It was like, it was mm-hmm. all instrumental in terms of,
0: building no, up, true.
1: I think a unique vocabulary. And, and I think that's true of a lot of people that are entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are, you know, they, they, you have to fail a lot and you have to try a lot and you have to know what works and what doesn't work. So, right. um, I mean, I don't, I guess I never saw, I still don't, you know, any of those things as being kind of like the wrong, or I think they were all just like, they were instructive uh they and they 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 continue to instruct so right. Right. um yeah but i but i think i could never and i i don't know that i'll ever identify with any of them or with anything because i hope at least what i see is the opportunity for for the future and for my is to be kind of in a generative and evolving space that's that's always co-creating collaborating with changing forces you know outside and around me and that has to be dynamic and fluid
0: now look I I want to respond to that with a song oh please I I wrote this song in response to what you said last time so this oh. is kind of this is kind of a song song to you and here's the problem the, the technical problem is that I have this song that I wrote that I want to sing now because it's absolutely a, about a number of the things we're talking about. And technologically, I, I, how, I don't know whether to sing it without my guitar or with, because I'm not set up as a, in a sound way to do it. So just that,
1: let the guitar be there, and then you can do it again without the guitar, and we can just try.:
0: We'll try yeah. it this way. Okay. This is called verbing." Oh. And it's uh, to the tune, it was to a Bob Dylan tune called "My Back Pages.") Mm-hmm. I am a verb, I am a verb, she said, she said, I never was a noun, labels make me mostly dead, they take my spirit down, and not an adjective, oh no, don't ask me how I've been, it's neither good nor bad you know i'm always in between i don't know how to tell you this i don't mean to disturb but i am only here and now i only am a verb I fear I am confusing you myself I am confused they say to thine own self be true at best I am amused cuz a self is just a big idea you won't find one in me it's nice to have but it is just a changing entity but if you want to know me now don't ask me for a blurb <laughs> just be with me and see with me you'll find I'm just a verb right I'm not done here yet. I had to turn the page. I need an assistant. <laughs> I sometimes think I've lost my mind. It's very hard to see. And when I look, I never find the one that was assigned to me. My mind I think has been around. It changes every day. It's just a mix of other minds I met along the way. So though I seem upon a glance superficially to to be just one, if truth be known, I'm multiplicity. I am a verb, she said, she said, I am just what I do. Look past the shiny taglines if you want to see what's true. I am a verb, she said, she said, I am just what I do. Just look past the shiny taglines if you want to see what's true. All right. What do you think?
1: I mean, that's pretty great. It's pretty great.
0: You know, I write a lot of these stupid little songs, and this is one of my favorites already. And I, I, I think I, it's great. I, I don't know if it'll endure as one of my favorites, but it's sort of captured some things about what you were saying last time. I thought that, in my own, you know, little uh, Bob Dylan wannabe style.
1: I know. Um, I love it. I mean, I think there's so much that's interesting there. I'm like, I'm like, huh? Do I agree. Like. It's, it's provocative because, and I'll, and I'll, you know, I, I will say, and this is a contradiction and I will contradict myself all day long because there, there are so many of me, um, cause I do believe there is some self energy, some kind of, um, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't think it's a hierarchical thing. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, i buddhist i don't really think it's like soul but i do think that there is i think it's again it's another kind of dialectic i think there is some kind of organizing i don't know if it's cognition or if it's just patterning and i do think it is um uh, well, there was some line in there about being just a lot of minds that I've kind of known. I mean, right. I think it's right. both. I think there's this integrating quality there. And I think there's, you know, even when we think about wise mind or talk about wise mind, what is wise mind? I mean, I, mm. I do think there is something that is accessible to all kind of sentient beings, something that is innately um. wise, um, uh, that that gravitates to and I think it's the part that senses, you know, that is that is embodied, that is kind of that doesn't have at the moment, that is not kind of reacting to old stories and that's not anticipating, you know, mm. how things should be, or that, you know, which which is really kind of still coming from the old stories. But I do think it's something that's present and alert and that includes both the external environment and this inner awareness and, um, and that's just, that's both flexible, but also, you know, that it, you know, again, we, our bodies are containers. Yeah. They'll die and they change and I'm not the same, you know, whatever.
0: Right. Right.
1: 10 pound two year old or whatever. So I just think it's, it's this place where our brains get to kind of drop all reference points and, um, no, and I
0: think when, when you're a therapist and you're a coach, yeah. when you're a therapist um, and nothing's working with your client, you're trying to help your client, but it's not working, and you can tell that nothing's happening, to be able to just drop what you're doing uh, and just jump ship to some other ship or to, yeah. to something different so that and to realize that maybe we should take a walk yeah, uh, may, maybe we should pound ourselves on the chest. You know, maybe we should both scream. Yes. Maybe, maybe we should like turn our chairs around backwards so we aren't looking at each other. Because anything you do different with yes. your body or your position, anything different changes everything. Absolutely. And if you believe that, yeah. it 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 endorses yeah. trying different things, and that yes. was part of what went into writing that book. Is sort yeah. of realizing well, no, now this isn't working. So maybe I should, and I've sung songs to my patients, you know, mm. that I make up and sing a song and it may or may not change anything, but everything- well, well, it changes, does change something. Everything changes everything, actually. Yeah, it it's, does. It's,
1: it does. No, it's great. I mean, I think that this, this conf- I, I think we need to have more conversations about the process of writing your book and about your book in general, because it's, I mean, you know that that's something I'm really interested in, but I think it also mm. gets to these questions about, you know, how we do hold an agenda, whether, you know, we're working with someone to try and create better outcomes, um, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, dropping the agenda, you know, how we, how we, how we do enter all of these paradoxes, right, um, right. with curiosity, with openness and, Um, With recognition of all the things that we just don't know, you know, with humility and confidence. I think that that's, it's just, it's important for, you know, for getting out of hell. It's important for being a human in 2022, nearly 2023. I mean, it's, it's just Mm. like, it's a, it's a kind of essential um what are those things called those 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 knives that have all the you know those things oh, yeah, army no, knife, you know, Swiss army knife it's like the kind of Swiss army like, knife yeah, 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 yeah no it's, it's like, right
0: there's so many tools and you can use them at different times and I think it is true there's so many things we have to contend with that's different than the 1950s growing up
1: totally.
0: I mean it it's just like I don't know The the number of challenges coming at us is so intense and and some of which are cataclysmic so it's like right whoa, what do we do? So we look, need a different
1: w- mindset. We need a different mental framework. And that's dialectics. That's what we do.
0: So I would love to, in the future, we we'll can talk about um, things from the book and and yeah. how I wrote some of that, because that was a generative for me to be figuring that out. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're I think, uh, I really enjoyed talking with you about this a lot. Yeah, it's- I did too. It reminds me of the kind of conversations you might've had in college when you you stayed up really late and you just (laughs) get back and you never actually could quite get quite to where you want to get but You're you're trying. So I give us a lot of credit for trying to to get to this. And it'll be fun for me to go back and listen to this and see what it sounds too.
1: And I know I'm the worst. I'm like, oh, but what about that? I feel like I have a reputation for being that person that just never quite left those college conversations. I'm like, (laughs) let's, but, you know, like, let's look at the big meaning here. I, that, that we can rely on me for that. So that's going to be my contribution. We'll just keep tons of,
0: you, you would do it. You have that that open inquiry quality. Definitely. All right. So um, let's, let's stop and we'll uh, tune in next time. Yes. All right. Adios.
1: Questions, comments, complaints it's all it's all welcome
0: absolutely please get to us any way you can
1: <laughs> thanks bye. everyone
0: bye 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 everybody